family business. It's a ecclesiological and it's a cosmological. That's good. Amen. And uh, God's purpose is the earth flooded with his glory. We got uh, all of this was to get to where we are tonight. Last uh, time we were together, we talked about all of the tools, all the things we use, all the table full of stuff that, that uh, gets done around here. And all of those tools uh, don't do it by themselves, though it all has to be done by people. So we actually have uh, volunteer apps. If you've never filled out a volunteer app, you should. We've got them at the back. You can fill them out. Tell us who you are, what's going on, and what you want to do. Amen. So it's good to do that. So here's a... Here's a list of what happens on a Sunday. Here's all of our teams and all of our blanks. There we go. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 different ministries that are taken care of. Under that's worship team and a bunch of other things, media teams, a lot of names under all those teams. So, And a lot of them have multiple names. So it takes, I was counting it up, and it takes somewhere around just to fill in these blanks every week. It's close to 50 people have to be engaged just to fill in the blanks for all of the ministry roles that happen on a Sunday. So as much as we have tools and we have things that we use to, to do all that and to shape that and do that, none of that happens without uh, people. So turn to your neighbor and say, you be a person. You'd be one of those people we need. So family business, we talk about our ministries. So today we're going to talk about our ministries. Going to tag team a little bit with Pastor Cheryl. So I'm going to be really quick, all right? You ready for quick? First Corinthians, you got your notes there. Look, First Corinthians 12, 1 to 6. The interesting thing about First Corinthians is it's written to Corinthians. And uh, if you wanted to tell somebody that they're a real pagan, you say, man, you're, you're a Corinthian. You know, you're, uh, and it means you're like, a, or you say you're uh, from a Crete, Titus got sent to Crete. You say you're a Cretan. And those, those uh, Corinthians, Paul said, you're, I, I praise you. And, and he called them saints right off the top. Isn't that good? He called them saints right off the top. And then he went through chapters of talking about, man, you guys are carnal. I mean, you guys are, just got some crazy things going on in your church. But here's what he commended them for. He didn't commend them for their holiness or how righteous they were. Although he called them saints right off the top. So he said, you are holy ones. Then he said, you holy ones are successfully doing a lot of messy stuff. You holy people are really falling in the mud a lot. But I got this one thing to say. Nobody does the gifts like you guys. Nobody. The spiritual gifts, there's nobody like you guys. You guys are mature. You operate in the gifts. The one thing you're missing is love. I wish you had some love to go with those because the gifts are awesome. But without love, it's nothing. And he's saying, you guys... Uh, there's so many areas you're falling down just on the practical community and things like that. But gifts, prophecy, healing, miracles, man, you guys are just jacked right up there. There's nobody like you. See, some people think that, well, you got to be really, really awesome to be used in the gifts. And yet the one book in the Bible that talks more about the gifts than any other book, it's a church that was really screwed up that was big time in the gifts. Can it get an oh me? It's, it's really true. Just check it out. It's really true. All right, but here he is. He's talking about the gifts. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Say gifts. All right, if you got your Bibles, you'll see in a lot of Bibles that gifts is going to be in italics. And if the word is in italics, what does that mean? It's not there. This is not about spiritual gifts. It's about spirituals. It's the word pneumaticos. It's spiritual ways, the way of being spiritual, spiritual things. I, I don't want you to be unaware of what it is to be a spiritual person and to manifest the spirituality that you're walking in. So gifts actually isn't even there. But he said, I want you to be uh, clear on spirituals, brethren. I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by those dumb idols. However, you are led, however you were led. He says, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are, say, there are, listen now, there are a diversity of gifts. There are a diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences in ministries but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Is each one here tonight? Is each one here? So who is the Spirit given to? Is he given to just George and me? It says it's given to each one. Is each one here? Would each one include you? 
Each one has been given the gifts. You didn't have to qualify for it. When you have to qualify for a gift, it's no longer a gift. It's something you work for, which means it's your pay. You don't earn gifts. Gifts are given to you. And they were given to some people who were really miserable, carnal people. Like if you think, wow, that guy operated a gift. He must be holy. Not necessarily. Peter, when he healed the guy, gay beautifully goes, don't look at me as if through my piety, my personal holiness, I achieved a sudden status and whoa, a miracle popped out because I'm so awesome. Miracles happen because God loves people. And it happens as the spirit wills, not as Fred wills, Bob or Susie wills. Even though Fred, Bob and Susie might will, the spirit wills to be manifest. He really does. The manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. He wants everyone to profit. Therefore, you know, he'll use sometimes something you might consider. You used a really dirty cup there. Well, you know, I was desperate to touch somebody. So that's what was available. God doesn't seem to care who he uses. Isn't that a bit weird? You know, and, and that's what he does. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be, you know, a good straight up person. But here's the beautiful thing is if you came to Jesus, then you are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. So that's good news. Okay, let's move on because I got to move on. So if you look at that, there's three things. There's three words. There's spirit, there's Lord, and there's God. There's spirit, there's three givers of gifts. Distinctly used, distinctly used three givers of gifts. The manifestation gifts listed there are the charisma, spiritual favors of pneuma. They're the spiritual favors of the spirit. Then it says there are diakonai, which are offices of kurios, which is Lord. So we know that those are given. The diakonai, the offices were given by Jesus. And Jesus gave those gifts. And they are not listed here because they're not manifestation of the Spirit. They are the gifts of Jesus, which were ascension gifts that Jesus gave in Ephesians 4. So there's the, the, the diakonai, and then there's the energma, which is to show oneself, which are given by theos, which is God. So there's three different things used there. There's pneuma, there's kurios, and there's theo, because he wanted to say the Jesus gives gifts, the Spirit gives gifts, and the Father gives gifts. Jesus gave ascension gifts, the Spirit gave manifestation gifts, and the Father gave gifts that motivate you. They're gifts of, of leaning, gifts of a slant, gifts of, a, of, of your personality, gifts of the way that you naturally see life. So the God the Father gifted you and he wired you in a specific way and he made you diversely different than sometimes the people around you. So the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are all gift givers and they all gave different, different gifts. Do you understand the difference between all those three? Do you understand it? You should. It's right there. It's really clear. It's not even confusing. All right. So down next is circle, circle. If you got a pen, circle the most important gifting or calling or, or career to God. Circle the most important one. All right. Who's got it? It's really obvious. It's the pastor. It's not? Gord, which one is it? They're all important to God. You're absolutely right. Martin Luther said, the cobbler, the smith, the farmer, each has a work in an office of his trade, consecrated priests and bishops. We got to redeem our mindset. Your vocation is a holy calling, calling, a holy calling. Work is worship. Where are you going today? I'm going to worship. If you say you're going to work, you misunderstand what you're doing. And if you misunderstand what you're doing, that can get really frustrating. But if you understand that work is worship, it brings a fresh joy to your world. Unless you don't like what you're doing, then do something else. Stop it. Like if you're miserable, then stop being miserable and do something different. Or go to a career counselor or figure something out or go back to school. But quit being miserable, making everybody else miserable. Just do something different with your life. Can I get amen? All right. I saw a sign that all right here, this Tim Hortons over here, all full-time positions are available. Wowzers. Big, huge sign. Who doesn't want to work at Tim Hortons? Three people. Same three people all the time. Okay, Romans 12, verse 1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, and going to work and walking around life. Take your everyday life and place it before God as an offering. Because your whole life is worship. Everything we do is worship. And when you get that, it's all good. Just do it as unto the Lord and have fun and rejoice in what you're doing. First uh, Corinthians 7, verse 20. Interesting verse. Very interesting verse. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthians. He says, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Living Bible says, usually a person should keep on doing the work that he was doing when God called him. 
Amplified says each one should remain in the condition in which he was when he was called. So it's like, you know, oh, I just came to Jesus. I guess I'll do something else with my life. You know, I don't know why that, that's always like that. I mean, you know, I, I just moved to Taiwan. I guess I'm going to do something else with my life. You, know, it's, you, you should know how you're wired. You should know your gifts, your callings, and know what it is you're called to do. And, and, and just feel what your shape in life is. That takes us to 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift. Now, there's another translation. I keep on trying to find it. I don't know if it's Phillips or uh, Weymouth or something. There's another translation that actually translates that word as every person has a shape. Every person has a shape. And it says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So every one of us have been graced by God with a shape. Mine is really awesome the envy of everybody. That's uh, Romans 12. Oh, sorry, honey, it's 1 Peter 4.10. Did you not get a sheet? Oh. 1 Peter 4.10 is each one has received a gift or a shape. So I, I take shape like this, and I've taught on it several times, but shape, I see shape as each one has spiritual gifts, each one has a heart, amen. Is there, who's got a heart? You know, I did my counseling course in Bible school, and you know what, they, I got an A on my final paper, and I still have it, but in big red letters, the professor did say, Carl, I hope you get a heart before you go into ministry. It was heartless to say that, right? I mean, so bad. And, you know, she came and ministered for us. We asked her to come and minister at one of our conferences. And I actually pulled it out and said, like, Judy, you actually put this on my paper. She said, I did? I went, yeah. She says, oh, wow. Wow, that, I'm sorry. I went, that's oh, all right. I, you know. Because in counseling class, we'd have people, you know, you know, Sister Judy, I, before I came to school, I was suffering with it. And I, it's just, it's just going on, taking up our time, you know, and I'd be, then <sighs> she'd be going on, the whole class watching this person, you know, and I'm like, Carl, did, did you want to share something? Like, yeah. Hey, suck it up, buttercup. You're going into ministry. We don't need to hear this nonsense all day. I'm trying to large something. <laughs> Go ahead, Sister Judy, carry on. She looked at me and goes, Carl! And I'm like, what? Like, holy mackinac. Anyways, I guess maybe that's why she wrote it on my paper. That's why it says right in my contract here, I do no counseling. So, it's a good thing, too. Anyways. Okay, I'm moving along. Shape. Spiritual. I do have a heart, by the way. I do. I can, I can feel it. Spirit. Madeline, was that funny or What? That's right. I say I got a heart and a staff member laughs at me. That's awesome. Spiritual gifts, heart, A, abilities. We've all got abilities. You know, your, your abilities, God gave you abilities. And that means something. Abilities, he's given you a personality. And then all of us have experiences. And when you're thinking about what you're going to do with your life, you really should consider how you've been shaped, how you've been graced, how you've been gifted by God to minister to one another as good stewards. You're a steward of the manifold grace of God. So you need to be aware of your shape. It helps you find your place and function, and it helps you to have fun. Fun. Say fun. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. All right. Larry Bird said a winner. How many knew who Larry Bird is? Knew, knew. How many? No, no. Celtics basketball player. That's good, Cheryl. Man. Good. A winner is someone who recognizes his God-given talents, works his tail off to develop them into skills. Talents don't mean nothing if you don't recognize them and turn them into skills. See, a lot of talented people have never developed the skill to go with their talent. Develop your skin. It says works his tail off to develop the skills and then uses these skills to accomplish his goals. James Faust, he said, others can challenge and motivate us, but we must reach deep down in our souls and call forth our God-given intelligence and capabilities. We cannot do this when we depend on the efforts of someone else. Can you help me figure out what I'm going to do with my life? I can help you, but you know, if it's really going to take place, you got to dig deep down and you got to just mine out those deposits of God that he's put in you. All right, you ready? Another circle, the most important thing to God. You ready? Is it a greeter? Is it a, somebody who's going to help with a parking ministry? Is it guest services? Is it the piano player? Is it kids' church? Is it the worship leader, the preacher, the usher, the nursery worker, the counting team, the drummer, the small group leader, the youth worker, the cafe host, the bookstore, the, the altar ministry, or the guitar player? Who's the most important person to God on that list? 
They're all important, every single one. And thank God they're all working together and doing something. And we all are very interested in those things. So back here it says God-given intelligences and capabilities. Your God-given intelligences, your personality, what's going on. Romans 12, 3 to 8, these are the gifts that we talked about earlier. This is the list of the gifts. This is where you find that list of gifts. The Father gave gifts. Theos gave gifts. He gave gifts. These are motivation gifts. They're gifts called the energuma. The thing that drives you when you approach life. When you see life, this is how you approach life. So I, for I say, I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you. So by the grace given to me to every single person among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure or the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. This is in the Bible right here. All the members do not have the same function. Like, I want to know why George didn't preach on Sunday. Like, why does Zach fill in when I'm away? Why, why is it Zach or Pastor Cheryl or, or some of these other people? Why doesn't George get to preach? And then why not, why doesn't Zach lead worship? Well, we all know why. <laughs> we don't even let him sing around the office. <laughs> Hello. There's some people we will not let greet at the door because they're not happy people. They don't know they're not happy people. They think they're just soberly minded, but they're kind of grumpy. They got the spiritual gift of grumpy. You're not a good greeter. What do you mean? <laughs> it's, it's, it's important. People are like, I don't know how to smile. Like, and I smile, my whole head goes funny. So it's like, ah, you know, it's like, it's just like, that was unpleasant, you know, boom. They're already not coming back. No matter what happens in the services, that crazy person who tried to smile at me, I'm finished. So, you know what, all of it's important, you know. You don't want me, if I count the money, I, I, I don't, I, don't make me a counter. Um, I, you know, I'll mess it up every time and I won't even care. You know, I'll just say, close enough, put her in the bag, you know. And Cheryl be freaking out every week. She'd kick me out. We had somebody who thought they might like to do kids' church. They won. Just one day they get kids' church. They were frazzled as all get out. They go like, can I stop? Kelly, can I quit? Kelly went, sure you can. She's oh, thank God. I thought I'd signed up. I'm here for a year. And, no, you can quit. She's like, I can't do kids' church. I thought maybe I could. You know, but like, you don't want frazzled people with kids. You know, like, <laughs> when's he done? Oh, my God. Tell the pastor to shut up. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Shut-ups in the Bible, depending on the translation you have. <laughs> so is stupid. It's actually, I can show you. Okay. Anyways. Okay, so uh, having then differing gifts according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If it's prophecy, prophesy. And in that prophecy, it's not, yea, thus saith the Lord. It's a slant. It's a way you see life. You have a prophetic motivation. You know, when somebody walks in the room and drops a cake, you say, well, why weren't you paying attention where you're walking? Like, I mean, you had the cake right in front of your eyeballs and you can't even see. I mean, put the cake over here so you can see where you're walking. It's because the prophet wants to correct the future. I don't want you to do that again. I'm going to straighten you out right now. And they're laying on their face, cake everywhere, and they want to correct the future. Thank God the prophetic motivation was there. Not really. You need a mercy gift. Are you okay? Sure, they're fine. They're stupid. They're walking with a cake in front of them. Well, that person's annoying. But you know what? When you really need somebody to help you, you need a prophetic motivation. But not when you fell on a cake on the floor, right? Then you got somebody with the gift of giving immediately. Where are you going? Well, they ruined the cake. You're going to get another cake. So everybody responds different because we're all wired different. Say, I'm wired different. That's right. So look what it says. It says, prophesy, let them prophesy in proportion to their faith. Ministry, let them use it to minister. Minister, serving, teaching, teach. Those who exhort, let them exhort. Let them encourage. Those who give, let them give liberally. Those who are leaders, let them lead with diligence. And those who show mercy, let them do it with cheerfulness. And it goes on after that to explain and expound upon those gifts. But there are seven motivations right there. And all of you are more active in one of those motivational areas. I've done my tests in mercy. I always come out of total zero. So if you need somebody to show mercy, don't send me. 
But you know what's beautiful is when you go somewhere and mercy is what's needed, if you're halfway paying attention, you'll go, God, grace me with mercy because my gifting isn't the one necessary right now. And God will grace you to do that. And God will grace you in any situation to manifest the nature of Christ because you get Christ in you. But all of us are going to have a bent in which we see the world. And thank God we're all different. If we weren't all different, we wouldn't have anything to fight about. So, amen. It's good. It's, it's tension. Say tension. When you put a tent up, you have to pull one string this way, one string this way, and one string this way, and then the tent going the other way, and you put a string there, a string there, a string there, and you put another string here. What are you doing? You're causing tension. Why? Because it keeps things in place. You've got something in your elbow called tendons, which keeps those bones together. Things can function when there's tension. You've got a kite in the air. You've got a string on it. The string is causing tension between the kite and the wind, and that tension causes things to lift. Tension is okay. I mean, stress actually is okay. It's distress that's not okay. But having certain stresses working against each other cause things to function and cause things to grow. So uh, I'm done. I'm going to give it over to Cheryl right after I give this one verse. Are you ready? You're ready. All right. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We should walk in them. I love that because that word workmanship is the word poi, poiome, poiome. The accent is on the poi. Say poi, poiome. So that is how you say that. And you know what that means? It means that which is made or done, a work, a workmanship, or a creation. And that is the word where we get the English word poem. So we are God's poem. When God wanted to write a poem and show his excellence and his goodness, he made you. And he created you. He designed you to function and do something wonderful to manifest his greatness and his love. So you are God's artistic, beautiful manifestation of his goodness. You are God's poem. Amen. Are you ready? So we're going to... Wow. Man, I thought they only clapped when Zach preached. They're just glad you're done. That's not very nice. So, um, so serving and going to work and doing worship in when past, is really important. When Pastor Carl was saying, if you're doing something that isn't bringing you joy, then you should really discover what's going to bring you joy. And I'll never forget um, in, in Jesus' life when he was ministering to the Samaritan woman, um, he sent the disciples away to get some food. He ministered to this woman. They came back to give him food and water. And he says, you know, I don't need anything. And they thought, well, who gave him food and water? And he said, my meat and my drink is to do the will of my father. And so for me, that's always been an indication that I feel sustenance. I feel energized when I'm doing the things that God has called me to do. And it's really important that um, we discover who we are. And part of finding that joy is discovering who you are. How, what kind of artwork did God make me? And so for me, um, whether I'm worshiping at work or whether I'm serving in a local church, I want to be doing it um, not contrary to how God made me, but in unison and in flow with how God made me. And so we're going to talk about a few practical things that we do that I would encourage every single person to take the time to do some self-exploration. You know, not staring at your belly button, but exploration for the purpose of getting to know who you are. Because many times people go through life and they have no knowledge of how God created them, how they tick, and then they wonder why their relationships fall apart, why they feel they're always in tension with people, the bad kind of tension, and they just never take the time to do any self-exploration. And so the important part about um, us as equipping ministries is to help people discover how God made them. And so this is discovering who you are. And so just follow along. My next uh, I'm not very good at PowerPoint, so you're just going to have to wing it with me, all right? So um, Pastor Carl always already alluded to the scripture, Ephesians 2, verse 10 in the SEV, ESV. <laughs> I'm a little bit dyslexic sometimes. It says, for we are God's workmanship, we're his poem, and created in Christ for good works. And so everything we do um, should be really a work of art. When I'm doing ministry, when I'm doing my job, it should be a work of art that displays God's goodness and how he's created us. So, next one. Do you think your personality is something you were born with or something that develops? All right. 
Yeah, you are pretty well born with it. So um, we do a lot of surveys around here. Uh, part of our staffing, uh, part of the criteria for when we're having new staff and orienting new staff is we make them do personality survey. They do a disc survey. They do sometimes an emotional intelligence survey because we want people who are emotionally intelligent because you need to be emotionally intelligent to serve people. But one of the things we do is we discover our personality. And so we use something called humanmetrics.com. It's Myers-Briggs personality. And um, I find it very useful. Uh, sometimes psychology, when I was doing my psychology course, they prefer something called ocean, where it measures your openness, um, your extroversion, your agreeableness, your careful cautiousness, and your neurosis. But I did do that survey. It was 300 stinking questions, and I did it late at night. And you know what? The results came out the same as my simple little Myers-Briggs test. So just, you know, save yourself the time and do the Myers-Briggs. So our personality, it predates our adulthood. It's fundamental to who we are. And it's foundational to how we respond to life and the people around us. And actually discovering who we are leads to self-acceptance. And that's really, really important. Um, it grants you permission to be who you are, and it gives you opportunity to better manage your relationships. Just because I'm a certain personality doesn't give me, um, it doesn't give me the, ex I don't have an excuse anymore. Once I discover my personality, uh, the strengths and the weaknesses of my personality, then I have a responsibility to manage that when I'm in relationship with other people. And that's really, really important. So doing these kinds of things will help improve your emotional intelligence, which will get you a long way in life. What is personality? It's a relatively stable pattern of behavior, thoughts, motives, emotions that characterize an individual over time. What does science say about our personality? It says that children show a distinct individuality within the first few weeks of life. And it shows they show discernible characteristics that begin to persist. And they say that your basic personality is formed by the age of six. And if you've had children, you know this to be true, that they can come from the same two parents and have two very distinct different personalities. And they are evident at a young age. So why do we begin here? because of interpersonal conflict. So when we're working on team and we're working with people and we're working in our work environments, we're gonna have conflict. Iron sharpens iron, there's tension, things like that. So discovering your personality is a starting point. It allows you to adapt your responses to other people in a healthy, respectful manner, which is really, really important. Uh, who you are. So I'm just going to uh, focus on three things tonight. Uh, the DISC survey, the Myers-Briggs typology indicator, and now discover your strengths. But we actually do all of these. We do three colors of ministry. We do a spiritual gifts survey. We like to do some emotional intelligence survey. And another really helpful uh, survey that we've found is an Enneagram. And I'm not sure if that's two N's or one N. But that was, that's a really fun one too. So the DISC survey and the Myers-Briggs, next one. Both the DISC and the Myers-Briggs are assessment tools designed to provide insight to your personality and your behavior. Both are widely accepted, but there's a couple of differences. The Myers-Briggs um, has 16 personality types, while the DISC has four dominant personality types. Myers-Briggs is largely a, a reflection of your internal thinking, while DISC is designed to measure how your personality translates in your behavior. So the DISC survey, the four letters are dominant, influencing, steady, and compliant. So D, dominant, direct, outspoken, results-oriented, a leader, problem solver, Donald Trump. Really? Yep. Influencing, friendly, outgoing, talkative, optimistic, life of the party, Bill Clinton. Steady, team players, stable, consistent, maintains the status quo, they're good peacemakers, they're family-oriented, they're patient, they're Fred Rogers. There's a new movie coming out about Fred Rogers with Tom Hanks. Anyways, compliance, C, logical, organized, data-driven, method methodological, methodical. methodical. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> I was looking at it going, I've added a few extra letters in there. <laughs> <laughs> they're perfectionists and they're very detail-oriented, and that's Bill Gates. So the just actually kind of shows how you, your personality, what happens in your behaviors and how you behave with other people. And so I did the dispersonality, 
and I scored, I think there's 24, 25 different kind of measurements, and I scored <laughs> 23 out of, I think, 24 or 25. In what category do you think? In what category? D. D, that's right. And so people were horrified. Oh my gosh, you have no heart. And then I tried to do it again, and, and I was doing it with my family, and I was extrapolating a little bit. And so um, we had someone here, and I came out into the auditorium and said, am I more uh, enthusiastic or more this? And the person hesitated, and that was my answer. But I was totally a high D. So that's your, and I, I am, I'm driven, I'm outspoken, I'm results-oriented, and I am a problem solver. Yes, but a nice one. Myers-Briggs type indicator. So it measures four quadrants. It measures your flow of energy, how you take information in, how you prefer to make decisions, and how you prefer to do day-to-day -day lifestyle. So our flow of energy, introvert or extrovert, do I receive energy from the external world, the people around me, or do I receive energy from time alone and by myself? How do I take in information? Am I sensing or intuition? Do I trust my five senses or am I relying on my intuition? Which means that a person sees in metaphors, they see in patterns, they see the past and the present, and they can interpret and understand those uh, patterns. So it's not like intuition, like I have a gut feeling. It's a way of recognizing patterns, past, present, and really predicting into the future. So do I take in information that way? How do I prefer to make decisions? Uh, do I make decisions based on feeling or thinking? Thinking is to decide based on logic, objective consideration, or feeling is uh, based on my personal subjective value system. And then how do I uh, interact in everyday life? Do I prefer perceiving or judging? Am I organized, purposeful, and comfortable with scheduled, structured environments? Or do I like things to be more diverse and more open and uh, like casual environments. Yeah, that's it. Yes, of course it is, Carl. <laughs> so you have, it's weighted extrovert, introvert, sensor, intuitive, thinking, feeling, judging, perceiving. So extroverts, their favorite world is their focus on the outer world. Introverts, their favorite world is focused on the internal world. It doesn't mean that they don't have friends, they don't like to stand up in front of people. It just means that they get energized by making sure that they have time alone. Sorry, I should actually, I can make all these available. I can send it out to people if you're interested. And so, uh, what does this look like? So, Zach is very comfortable in his little desk area. And he will come outside of his desk once in a while. But Carl prefers the external world and invades Zach's internal world on a daily basis. And so, it's unfortunate that the coffee maker is in Zach's office. <laughs> Because when Zach is hard at work, Carl goes makes a coffee, but the coffee that's supposed to take three minutes lasts over an hour. And Carl totally invaded Zach's, I'm getting energy and flow from my internal world. And Carl is just, you know, imposing his external need for energy on an intuitive person. <laughs> Extroverts and introverts. I have a little um, chart next one. Well, you can't really see this, but extroverts are energized by being with people. They love being the center of attention, Carl. They act, then think. They think out loud. Right, Zach? They are easier to read and share personal information freely. They prefer breath to depth. They talk more than listen. They communicate with enthusiasm, and they respond quickly. Introverts, however, they're energized by the time they get to spend alone. They avoid being the center of attention. They think, then act, which is so opposite to extroverts. They think through things inside their head. They are more private, wow, now I can see. <laughs> They're more private and prefer to share personal information with a select few. They prefer depth to breadth. Carl wants lots of friends, Zach wants a few. They listen more than talk. They uh, keep their enthusiasms to themselves. They respond after taking time to think. That's one thing everybody always says to me about Zach. He's really hard to get a read on. I just can't read Zach at all. <laughs> That's right, you can't. <laughs> but Carl, you can. <laughs> it's all over his face. So how we take in, yes, right. 
that's how do we take in information? So this is, I just talked about how we gain energy. Now, how do we take in information? Are we sensing or intuitive? One focuses on basic information. The other prefers to interpret information. So which one is sensing and which one is intuition? Oops, someone's at our front door. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so... How do you take in information? Are you uh, focused on the basic information or are you interpreting the basic meetings? So which one is sensing and which one's intuitive? Any guesses? Yeah, sensing is taking in basic information. So they're great observers of their surroundings and really kind of make use of their five senses. Sensors, they trust what is certain and concrete. They like, only new, like new ideas only if they're practical. They value realism and common sense. They like to use established skills, tend to be specific and literal, present information in a step-by-step -step manner, and are oriented to the present. Intuitives trust inspiration and inference. They like new ideas and concepts just for the sake of new ideas and concepts, so they love thinking. They value imagination and innovation. Uh, they like to learn new skills but get bored easily after mastering a new skill. They tend to be general and figurative, using metaphors and analogies, present information through leaps and bounds, and they are future-oriented. So two very, very different perspectives on how people take in information. Thinkers and feelers, how you make decisions. One prefers to look at logic and consistency. The other prefers at, to look at people and special circumstances. Thinkers and feelers. Thinkers step back and um, apply impro or improper, impersonal analysis. They value logic, justice, a standard for all. They naturally see flaws and tend to be critical. This is a problem with thinkers. They may be seen as heartless, insensitive, and uncaring. Consider it more important to be truthful than tactful. Believe feelings <laughs> are valid only if they're logical. <laughs> <laughs> Your dog died, it's okay for you to have a bad feeling. You can be sad today. Motivated by a desire for achievement and accomplishment where feelers step forward and consider um, the effects of actions on other people. They value empathy and harmony. They naturally like to please others and show appreciation. They may be seen as over-emotional, illogical, or weak. Consider it important to be tactful as well as truthful. They believe anything is valid, whether it makes sense or not. Motivated by a desire to be appreciated. So that's how they respond to people. Judgers and peop, uh, perceivers, how they like to structure their world. Um, judgers prefer to get things decided and to get things done, whereas perceivers always prefer to be open-ended and like to keep their options open, and they love new information. Judges are happiest once the decision's made. They have a work ethic, work first, play later. They set goals and work towards getting them done on time. They prefer knowing um, what they're getting into. They're product-oriented with completing a task. They derive satisfaction from finishing projects. They see time as a finite resource and take deadlines seriously. Perceivers, on the other hand, are happiest leaving their options open. They have a play ethic that is enjoy and then finish later. They change goals as new information becomes available. They like adapting to new situations. They are process oriented with an emphasis on how the task is completed, not just getting the task done. They derive satisfaction from starting projects but never ending. They see time as a renewable resource and deadlines as elastic. <clears throat> yeah, of course you would. So I've just given you a couple pictures. Um, this is kind of, this is an ENTP. And so for the ENTP, uh, the, the dominant um, characteristic or trait is their intuition and their idea of concepts and ideas and their thinking. And then that wee little bubble at the bottom is sensing, which means they're oblivious to the surroundings around them. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, and then we have an ESTJ where the thinking is a dominant bubble and sensing and that wee little bubble at the bottom is their feeling intuition. So Myers-Briggs says that we function in all 16 quadrants, but we are dominant in a certain amount, usually four. But a well-rounded person will um, learn about themselves, adapt, develop emotional intelligence and be much more even keeled with all of their letters. 
Who do you think was the ENTP? The one before that. Was that Carl or was that me? Extroverted, intuitive, thinking, perceiving, open deadlines, likes concepts, external oriented, yes, that's Carl. All right. That's me. Yeah. So I just got a couple of little fun things. Um, personality type acronyms. So let's look at Pastor Carl's ENTP, Every New Thought Propels. And I'm an ESTJ, a little acronym, Execution Saves a Job, or Everyone Seems Too Juvenile. <laughs> um, Kelly is an ENTJ, Execution Needs Tough, Executives Need Tough Jobs. Zach is INTPJ, INTJ. It's not, th it's not thoroughly justified, <laughs> which is so Zach. Uh, let me do, we have cat types in personality as well. I just want to read you Pastor Carl's cat type. <laughs> the great white hunter, king of imaginary bug chasing. He talks a lot, maybe to you, <laughs> maybe to something only he can see. He likes to be petted, but only for short periods of time, and he's off as soon as the next synapse fires in his brain. What <laughs> uh, am I? The ESCJ. Oh, yeah. Bossy cat. The cat with an attitude. It'll hiss at a German shepherd, and the dog will bow down. Knows his territory. Gets a lot of birds to show he cares, since he won't be openly affectionate. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, let me see, ENTJ, that's Kelly, that's the little general. Assumes control of the family and house. It'll, it'll kick you out of its chair and demand half the bed. Doesn't purr, but glares while being petted as if you're only doing your duty and yowls rather than meows. The only one with their own office. Yes, yes, true, the only one with their own office. Uh, and then we have the ESFJ, which is our other two staff, George and Maddie. They're the mummy cats. Even if they're kittenless or male, they adopt everyone, including their owners. They will groom you until you've got a rash, and will groom other cats until they snap and run away. <laughs> so it's, it's actually fun learning about your personality. Um, for many, many years, when Carl and I were young in our marriage, um, I always felt like, we were competing, and he drove me crazy, and, and he actually just drove me crazy. And, and I, <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to survive. But, you know, we did uh, a lot of these personality surveys, did our disc survey, now discover his strengths. And when I discovered how different Carl and I were, I was able to go, okay, this is, this is me, this is him. I don't have to take the differences in the way we react to each other personally. It's just the way he sees the world. So now, in light of that, I'm going to adapt how I respond to him. And someday, he'll learn how to adapt to respond to me. <laughs> We're still praying in Jesus' name. So um, one of the other things that we do, can you go back one maybe? Okay, another thing that we do is now discover your strengths. And Larry Bird talked about this. It was a quote that Pastor Carl had about knowing your talents and adding skills and working your butt off to make it good. Now discover your strengths was originally done by Marcus Buckingham, and they created a survey of 184 questions to kind of identify your top five talents, your natural talents and abilities. And so it... So it identifies your natural talents and abilities, but that talent doesn't become a strength until you add skill and knowledge to it, just like Larry Bird said. So I can have this raw talent, but if I don't add skill and gain knowledge about who I am and how that works in the real world, how that works in relationship, how that works in my work environment, it's still just a talent that's laying dormant. And so, you know, between the Myers-Briggs, the DISC survey, and the Now Discover Your Strengths, these are three uh, tools that you can use that will enable you to manage relationships really well and really help you uh, fit into your work environment really well. And so now our whole philosophy about staff is not so much here's the job description, these are your duties, responsibilities, da 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 da. We discover what their um, Myers-Briggs is, what their DISC is, what their now discover their strengths is. Okay, now let's design the job description because we hired you because we believe in calling, we believe in gifting, we can see talents. But now let's 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 develop a job description that really suits your talents and then give you everything you need to add knowledge and skill to make that talent become a strength in the house and a strength on team. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So this is your staff here, the next one. 
at Impact Church. And so the Myers-Briggs, the young personality, um, you, got, you got all extroverts except for one. And Zach, when he did his Myers-Briggs, is, it said 100% introverted and intuitive, right? I don't know how you ever manage with all these extroverts. <laughs> and then, the, you know, the, um, most of us are thinkers and not feelers. And so we have, praise God, George and Maddie, who are the feeling component of our staff. So good. Um, and it's good. We've got a good mix of the DIS survey. We've got some Ds, some DI. DI is actually um, one of the best kind of leadership kind of uh, compositions, you know, people who will get things done but who are inspiring at the same time. That's Pastor Carl. That's a DI. Kelly's totally har- um, S, which is supportive, seeks harmony, all of those things. And then look at your now discovery of strengths, harmony number one or two. And then George is an um, ESFJ, and he's all inspirational which totally makes sense when you think about worship and everything else. And then Madeline is the careful, cautious one and supportive at the same time. She has replaced Cheryl Sullivan with the careful, cautious, consistent kind of think about things. And then Zach is um, DC, which is really interesting. Dominant and cautious and careful and conscientious. She anxious. So this is kind of, and then the now discover their strengths. And so what now discover your strengths does, if you get the book, you'll get a little, um, you'll get a code in the book and you go do this survey and it will highlight your top five strengths. It tells, um, it's a great book for managers. It tells them what they look like and where to place them in your company or where to place them in your organization or whatever you're doing. And so um, let me see, who could I pick on? George and Madeline. Both have includer, which is really, really interesting, Um, which is really, really good because they want to include people into the circle, which is really, really great. Uh, Zach is um, the child that Pastor Carl and I would have (laughs) because Pastor Carl is relator, ideation, competition, achiever, and activator. I am focused, strategic learner, activator, relator, and Zach is a combination of us he is strategic learner, which is me, and relator, which is me, and he's achiever and competition, which is Carl. So he's like the perfect blend of Pastor Carl and myself. But this all helps us work. So when we're thinking about how to deal with difficult situations, then we're thinking about, okay, what's this person's personality? How do they respond to things? How should I repro- approach them about changing something or doing something different? All right, so let me go back to um, a couple things. So who did their Myers-Briggs? Ben, you were ESFP. So did you read up on it? And what did you learn about yourself? It what? Oh, wow. Yeah. Can you see, can you see how it works in your life? Yeah, e- extroverted, you know, gathers information through um, his senses, and P, perceiver. Is your, so you like to get things started. Are you a good finisher? <laughs> the other thing about Myers-Briggs is you can be uh, really kind of a low percentage in one of them, which means you're fairly close to the middle of the line, which is really, really important. Someone else who did their Myers-Briggs? Sherry. Uh, ISTJ. ISTJ. Oh, let me see. ISTJ. So introverted, I-S-T-J. I save things judiciously. That's the acronym. I suit tax jobs. <laughs> okay, someone else. Debbie. I, I serve family joyfully. That's the little acronym for, uh, so you gain energy by time alone. You're observant of your environment and you make decisions based on how other people are going to feel and how you feel, and then you get things done. Someone else? Michael? INFJ. INFJ. What's the acronym for INFJ? Um, Imagination never feels juvenile. (laughs) Inner nuances foster, foster journeys. So again, how do you get energy, Michael? How, where, where do you, how do you re- re-energize yourself? When you think about extrovert, introvert? Time alone. Time alone, yeah. 
And so you take in information through uh, your senses, you make decisions based on how others are gonna feel, how you feel, and then you like to get things done. Someone else who did it? ENTJ, oh, the little general. You're with Kelly. <laughs> so just naturally, uh, little generals actually make really, really great leaders because they're not afraid to get things done. They're not afraid to tell people what to do. <laughs> they're not afraid to take a lead. So that's really good. Someone else? Amy. Same as Michael? INFJ. Oh, how many INFJs? Michael, Amy, anyone else? Joey? Joey. Yeah. Okay, anyone else, an ENTP who did their Myers-Briggs? ENTP? Yeah, we know. <laughs> King of the jungle. Bug chaser of imaginary bugs. <laughs> anyone else do their Myers-Briggs or their disc survey? Lori? Same as Sherry? ISTJ. Oh, very good. So now I say all of this and I would really encourage you not only to do your Myers-Briggs and your DISC survey because that kind of shows how um, your personality acts out in the real world and your Now Discover Your Strengths, which is really good because if you're a young person and you do the Now Discover Your Strengths survey, it highlights your five talents and these are really, really good talking points when you're going for an interview. When they say, what are your strengths? You can go, boom, I've got learner, focus, strategic, relator, and what else do I have? Activator. So I know that I can call through priorities and set priorities. I know that I love to learn, so give me a new job all the time and I'll learn it. I know that I'm an activator. I can want to get things done and I want to get things done now. And I'm a relator. I will develop really, um, I will go into in-depth in my relationships. So those are great talking points when you're going for an interview or you're trying to put your resume together. Yeah, so what, when they say, what are your strengths? It's really easy just to name them off. And then the other thing that I would do is I would do the spiritual gifts survey that we gave you on that um, list of things as well because in a church context, that's really important to understand how God has motivated you, what's your motivational gifts. I am fortunately a little bit like Carl. If you dropped the cake, I would go, well, if you weren't wearing those stupid shoes, you wouldn't have tripped and dropped the cake. <laughs> so it, it's And so then you see... Um, even in uh, planning teams and everything, you need to have a diversity of personality, talents, and strengths, and kind of uh, behavioral uh, outputs on the team so you can get a job done. If you had all ENTP in a team, we'd all have great ideas, and we'd save the world, change the world, but no one would ever do the work to get the world changed and get the world saved. If you had all of me, then it would all be organizing. And if you have no ideas, no vision, then there's nothing to organize and nothing to get done. And so it's really, really important to have a diversity of people on team. But it's really important for you, you to take the time to discover who you are so that you know how you can fit into the church, how you fit into your job, how you can best function in your job, be an emotionally intelligent person in your job, and display God's artwork and the poem, which is you. Hey. So there. So, um, and, and when you find out who you are, it helps you cross the room. It helps you, like you don't go, oh, see, that's who I am. And like Cheryl said at the start, you know, well, that's just the way I am. Well, then learn about yourself and learn how to be more palatable in more situations and learn that sometimes... With your, when you're with people that are different than you, you need to learn their steps and you need to learn that I can cross the room. I can, I can make myself available to a broader section of people. I don't all say, well, I'm like this. You got to come over here. So then you're going to start asking Zach if it's okay if we have this one hour conversation while I'm making coffee. He must go home and just go into the basement right away for at least an hour just to kind of get re-energized because you've invaded his workspace at least three times in the day. I call that walk-around management. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, George? George knows that. Well, then why doesn't Zach... Why don't we get Kelly out of there and give Zach his own office? If he wants to be all by himself, let's put him in a room by himself. But I don't think that would be healthy for Zach, you know? I think... 
You, you, that's that's why. True. You, 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 so, so I think it's good. It's causes Zach to stretch. Imagine we stuck just in an office by way, himself. Right? Just because he is that way doesn't mean you want him to stay like that. True. Right. And if Kelly was in an office with everybody else, she would exasperate those relationships because she'd be telling everybody what to do 24-7. <laughs> so, but it does. And, and we've had lots of people who actually, uh, we, had, we had a couple who came here and the husband really loved the church and the wife, not so much. You know, and the husband liked it because uh, we, we got colors of ministry, green, red, and blue, and I'm kind of blue. And I told Zach on Sunday, when you preach, you're going to have to preach a blue sermon. You're going to have to preach, a, you know, the wind's blowing, it's the spirit of God. You got to preach blue, get all those blue people happy. And Zach's not really a blue person, eh? but he can do the blue, you know. said, so you got to go hard blue, the winds, the spirit. Because I love that stuff. I'm a blue preacher. I love preaching the blue glory to God. So, uh, anyway, so so I mean, I'm the church can be pretty blue because the main leader's blue, you know. So, so uh, the husband liked it because it was blue. You know, anything can happen. The wife, not so much. Anything can happen. Oh my God! (laughs) But then when she realized she did all these studies, she found out I'm not at all like that person. I'm not at all like the dominant leader in this house. And that's okay. And then, you know, she started to like the church because she realized, I don't like this church because I'm not, I'm wired not to like this church. But then she decided, but I can still like this church even though it's so different from my personality. And then she really grew to like the church, got involved, and she found out, you know what? This church is way too blue. It needs me. I'm going to bring some balance in here. And she found out how her, how her giftings could augment the blue guy who, who's always lost in the pie in the sky and can never get anything done. And the other thing was when she was, um, when she gave herself permission to be who she was, uh, very much green and red, as far as the three colors of ministry goes, uh, she became much more open and accepting to kind of the blue and the the wind of the spirit and everything. And so it was very, very helpful for her. Yeah, so gaining understanding of how you view the world actually releases you in broader context to be yourself and be okay with that. One of the other things we did, like all of these tools um, I've developed through our mentoring that we've done in the past, and I need to probably start up again. But one thing that we discovered was that we had um, a myriad of surveys from both spiritual and secular kind of places. And what would happen is when I would sit down with uh, the people I was mentoring, we would lay out the DIST survey, the Myers-Briggs Spiritual Gifts survey, and the Now Discover Your Strengths. And then through all of these very diverse tools, we could find this common thread or these common threads in every single one of the surveys, which lent itself and added to the person being very comfortable and very... um, confirm that who they are is who they are and that it's okay and that you know that's the way God made them and wired them yeah we had Deborah Derwan worked in HR for London Health Sciences Center and she worked in the HR department and uh, she shared all these things that she went through in church and all these things she learned in mentoring and then she had a job interview and she came and showed it to us appraisal, a- appraisal. she had her a job appraisal her annual appraisal and right in her appraisal the appraiser said uh, that they had become more effective in the workplace because of the transferable skills they had learned in their church and I just you know what as a pastor I went that is the most neat you know, constructive, uh, you know, uh, praise that I think I'd ever heard because there was somebody who what they were learning here was crossing over in their workplace and being recognized that where you go to church makes you a better employee. Yeah. And And the other really good thing about kind of learning that is Deborah is completely, she's an ENFJ, she's a caregiver, things like that. But when we would meet for our mentoring meetings, the very first meeting we had together, ESTJ, Execution Saves the Job. She wrote a one-page thing about my personality and what was important in our meetings together. and what. She, so she would come with a one, two, three, four, five things that we need to discuss. So she would give us like an executive summary every time we came together of things that we could discuss so that we didn't go off into craziness all the time. And I just thought, you know, for me, that was her understanding that this is who I am. I'm an ENFJ. I'm going to go meet with an ESTJ. 
DJ. So how do I prepare for that meeting? And how do I accomplish and get the most out of our time together? And I just thought that was it incredible was emotional intelligence. Incredible emotional intelligence. Yeah, so that was really So she great. figured, I'm going to meet with a person who likes to process information this way. So she said, I'm going to get the most out of this time with my pastor because I'm going to come and approach them in a language. Because the way your personality and the way you're designed, it's almost like a culture. It's almost like a language. She decided, I'm going to come to the meeting and I'm just going to speak the language of Pastor Cheryl because I want to get the most out of the meeting I'm going to have with her. Really, really smart. Really smart. So uh, just really, really brilliant. It's, it's so exciting when you see people make the most out of these kinds of things. And you go, oh, I don't need any of that stuff, man. I mean, just fly by the Spirit. Well, the Spirit, the Spirit's totally into this stuff. I was talking to him, and he said he's totally into this stuff. He wired you. And I mean, he's, he wants you to really gain incredible understanding of the gift that you are. And it's, it's a, like, did I tell you the story about me using a drill? And I didn't know that it actually had forward and reverse. And I built a wall with a drill on reverse. Somehow I got those screws to go in. But I abused the tool because I didn't have any understanding of it. And you can abuse your own life because you don't know who you are. True. And you know, God has created you very wonderfully. Like we look at all these scriptures. I mean, you're fearfully, wonderfully made. You're, you're skilled. You're graced. There's specific things God has put in you. And if you don't take the time to mind that out, that is what I did to that drill was I abused it. Abuse. Abnormal use. And if you don't know who you are, you can walk through life abnormally abusing yourself and others because you haven't taken the time to figure out who am I. Let me, Anyways, let me give you another example. That was a bit example. pastoral right there, I know. Yeah. Uh, I, one of my talents, my natural talents, is learner, which means I get excited about learning new things. About three and a half years ago, uh, the national organization decided that they were going to implement a whole new accounting structure and accounting system. And I know nothing about general accounting. I, it's just I, debits and credit columns are always mixed up. But you know what? Um, and then they did a little training video or just a little sample video of how the um, financial accounting software works, and I was overwhelmed. But um, I talked to one of the board of directors after, and they said, you know, I know it looks like a lot. I said, it's okay. I, I know I can learn this. I just need to take the time to learn it. And I was able to say that confidently because then I had to implement that for 14 other churches and 14 other treasurers, often who are much older than I. But I was confident, and I could say, I'll take that on. I'll do that job because I was confident in that talent of learning, which would enable me to learn something just for the sake of learning something new. So it's, it's good. good to know who you are. It is good. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't want to give that to somebody who's not a learner. So, no. Like maybe me. Yes. But anyways. Okay. You all right? You know, that's, that's pretty much the end of the road for our family business. But, you know, you're part of the family. You're, you're in this. And all the stuff we do that has to get done, all these, all these names, all this stuff, all the way down the line. I mean, a lot of that, we want to make sure that we're going to put, you know, round pegs and round holes. We're going to put people in places. And, and you, don't you want to get used according to what's going to bring you joy? You don't want to put people. There's some people who, it's funny, you can see when you say, hey, we need to put all these chairs away because we're going to do something different in this room next week. And could we just stack all the chairs? You would see some people right away just get excited about stacking chairs. You'd see other people just kind of go like... And you'd see somebody else who would walk around while we're stacking chairs going, hey, what'd you do today? And you're like, stack a chair. And, and they're talking to us and stuff. You're going, and the person's oblivious, but you know, they just doesn't even cross their mind that I could be stacking chairs with you guys. And it's not. It's just, you know, everybody kind of sees stuff differently and it's, it's kind of fun. So it's, it's good when you put people who have a gift to serve, have a gift to do certain things that they're going to do it because they love it, right? So it's really important we got proper people in proper places doing things. All right. We do want you all involved in the family business, but that's why we need you to take the opportunity to investigate your gifts and do it for, like, it's fun. It actually is fun. We try to have fun with it, and uh, uh, it will really help you. It'll help you not just in church. It'll help you in all of life. In fact, we do it with uh, couples that are getting ready to be married. We do it as a part of our pre-marriage counseling as we spend a lot of time letting them explore their personalities and find out each other because you're going to spend the rest of your life with that person. You better figure out who they are, and you better figure out who you are. And so we do a lot of those things, and it's helped a lot of people uh, with that thing as well. So are you ready to pray? All right. 
Well, it's been a great, great summer, great fun. We've had fun. We've seen the crowd go a little here and there all over the place. But anyways, it's all good. So summertime and all that stuff. So, uh, but please, we do want you to get plugged in, but we do want you to do some of that stuff. But we've got volunteer apps. If you never filled out a volunteer app, I mean, do that. You're telling us, you know, I want to get involved. I want to do things. And we have to have volunteer apps. Like if you're waiting for somebody to come and say, hey, would you please do this, that could happen we might do that but if you fill out a volunteer app you're saying i'm ready to get involved you know where can you plug me in what can we do right okay so just that's a good real good place to start we've got those back there who's never filled out all eyes closed heads bowed who's never filled out a volunteer app you know it's, it's all right okay it's, it's good to do get her done you know and because some of the things it's because of the litigious nature of our culture we live in there's some things we've got to get before we can use you because we need certain levels of ministry and involvement we need police checks we need background checks we need all these things and you'll need that if you're going to coach little league if you're going to work with the boy scouts you're going to have to have that just about anywhere these days so uh, people want to know if they're bringing their kids or vulnerable people into a church in a public place, they're going to want to know that you do things really well. And we should be the best at taking care of those things and making sure people feel safe. Okay. So I'm going to pray. All right. Father, bless you. We love you. I just really believe, Lord, and I know I'm a blue sky guy, and I know I, I my imagination is always just aggressively seeing new wonderful things on the horizon, but Lord, I do believe this fall is going to be a, a season of real blessing, a season and an opportunity to minister and to, to serve and to give our strength to one another. And so, Father, we thank you for the months that lie ahead and the way you're going to breathe on this fellowship in so many different ways. And and so we thank you for the privilege, Lord, of not just being a part of the body, but being in the body. And each and every one of us have a function. We've each got a role to play. And your word says that maturity comes as each part functions. Maturity comes as each part gives its strength to one another. You said that really the, the strength is in the joining. The strength isn't in the, in the individuals. The strength is in the joining together. So we thank you, Father, for the will to join, the will to partner, the will to give our strength to others. Others. So, Father, we pray that you would just breathe that all over this fellowship in so many ways. So we thank you for expansion. We thank you for growth. We thank you for just a breakout in the fall. We just call forth those who need help, and we call forth those who can help, and we pray for incredible expansion. So, Father, thank you for our time together tonight. We pray you'd just sow this in hearts. We pray it would multiply throughout the fellowship, and we just thank you for the beautiful thing called the body of Christ, where we can move together and accomplish it incredible things. So bless each one, I pray.